This is The Drive Podcast with Josh Graham. Welcome to the internet, my friend. How can I help you? Check out The Drive weekday afternoons at 3 on WSJS Sports. We've made it to a Friday drive. You are listening to WSJS News Talk Sports for the Triad. Where for Bryce Young, it's been a busy three weeks since the Panthers took him number one overall. There are the obvious moving logistics he's going through. Then he had rookie minicamp a week ago. By the way, people in the building have joked he's taken more snaps over those few days at minicamp than he did his whole career at Alabama under center. More snaps under center at rookie minicamp than his three years at Alabama. And this week was the start of OTAs with the Vets back in town. Even though the schedule isn't ideal for the Panthers to be breaking in a rookie quarterback, you got the two key division games right out of the gate, then a quick turnaround from Monday Night Football out west to Seattle. Don't tell Bryce Young that. Early on, Bryce is already doing all that it takes to be a day one starter. And it starts with the obvious work that he's putting in. Let's go back to rookie minicamp. The media were all looking for the money shot. Bryce Young wearing that number nine jersey for the first time, the doors opening up, and him walking out to that practice field the first time he stepped on that practice field as a Carolina Panther. You will not see anybody who had that shot, though, because a lot of the media arrived an hour before they thought players were going to be showing up to work out and get out on that field, start warming up. And when they arrived an hour before, Bryce had already been out there for an hour working with his receivers, trying to get the timing right, trying to work on chemistry, figuring things out. He was already out there. That's exactly what you want to see in a franchise quarterback. It reminds me of something Greg Popovich said a long time ago about what made Tim Duncan, the Wake Forest alum, great. He said that Tim Duncan was his best player, but he also was his hardest working player. And he was his most coachable player. And when your best player is your hardest working player and the most coachable, that allows Greg Popovich to be hard, harder on the other guys. Hey, if Timmy's doing this, why aren't you? If Timmy's working this hard, why can't you? What's your excuse? If Timmy is this coachable, then why can't you be this coachable? And when it comes to the Panthers' number one draft pick, it elevates the standard when, look at the extra work Bryce is getting in. Look how much work he's putting in to get better. This is your quarterback. This is exactly what you want to see him doing. And then behind the the scenes, the things that we can't see, apparently, He's doing all the right stuff in the meeting rooms, too. This was Panthers quarterback Josh McCown yesterday. Clear, every time we step into a meeting with him, it's clear that he's taking the material, whatever was presented the day before, he's taking that, and he's spent time with it at home. And he's digesting it, and he comes with questions. And that, that's what a pro does. He comes with questions. He's got great questions, very insightful, um, you know, a lot of times well beyond uh, just what a rookie would ask, and so that's encouraging. And uh, and that expedites the process for us meeting-wise because we can get to some you know second, third, fourth-level type answers, which are encouraging. So the football stuff, he seems to have that down when you hear about the processing and how bright he is. 
But then the other responsibilities that come with being a franchise quarterback, a fan, a face of the franchise, so to speak, it seems to come second nature to him. The media attention, he's cool with it. He dealt with that at Alabama. In fact, you can make the argument that it probably was a greater amount of attention that was put on him and a greater amount of pressure that was on him at Alabama than it is right now in the National Football League. The Panthers, they'd be lucky to be on primetime television more than twice this year. Alabama, it's every single week, and you can't lose. Anytime you lose, it seemed to be an absolute failure. you got to win every single time you're out there, and most times, Bryce Young, he met that bar. The media attention, he was humble in response to the questions about his height, never really annoyed by it. He's already mastered the politician thing that you see from a lot of quarterbacks of being boring in all of his pressers, not saying something that the media can grab onto. Already a pro at that. Coming into generational wealth, he seems comfortable with that too because he dealt with NIL. Probably the first great star that we've seen in college coming to the NFL in the the, uh, NIL age, making millions before he took a snap at Bama based on reports. And he had endorsements last year after he won the Heisman his first season in Tuscaloosa. I don't think... They need to start him out of the gate when you have those two division opponents and you have a solid starter at Andy Dalton, a lot of urgency right out of the gate. But that doesn't mean he's not going to. I've always felt that he was going to start. And the coaches clearly want him to. Yes, Frank Reich said Andy Dalton is the starter. But in that same sentence, in that same breath, he also said, well, Bryce Young's probably still going to get more snaps. If Bryce Young's getting more snaps... It tells me that they want him to play. Andy Dalton needs those snaps too. Even though he's a veteran, this is still a new offense. It's still a new team with new teammates for him. And they gave up a lot to go get Bryce. And they spent a lot in order to bring in this QB developing Avenger staff with Jim Caldwell and Thomas Brown and Frank Reich and Josh McCown. You have all these guys with quarterback pedigree. If Bryce pours into these people the way that he seems to be doing so, What's the excuse for him not to start right out of the gate if he's the number one pick in the draft and started multiple years at Alabama? There doesn't seem to be a great one. Just listen to the way that Josh McCown talked about what made Bryce special, the creative element of his game. With guys that can play that way, that can play off schedule, there's some artistry involved, and we understand that that's unique in their gifting, and you don't want to take that away from them. So uh, like with any, any great artist, there's a delicate balance with, with, uh, you know, with letting their greatness flow, but, but, but keeping it at a level that's not a detriment to the team. And, uh, and that's, you know, that's when it's really special. And that's what makes him, makes him really good is that he's, at the college level so far, showed a great barometer of when and when not to do that. You know? And that's what I think special players do. And uh, certainly part of why we drafted him. It's only been three weeks, but early on, Bryce Young is doing what it takes to be the Panthers' day one starter. Let me move on to this, though. As soon as the lottery card revealed Charlotte had the second pick in the draft, Scoot Henderson should have been a no-brainer for the pick. But after hearing Scoot speak about the Hornets at the Combine, he became even more of a no-brainer to me. Scoot wants to be a Hornet. So let's hope the Hornets let that happen. Scoot went out of his way to make the case for why he and LaMelo can coexist on the court. This was out in Chicago. 
I think I fit in with Melo and, and, and that and the way they play over there. Um, I think I can play off the ball, off the ball or on the ball, and that's, that's what's so uh, special about my gift, I think. Uh, I don't have to have the ball in my hand to, to impact uh, on the floor. Um, I'm not crazy ball dominant. Like, I'll have the ball in my hand when it's time. So. And he's right. He's 6'2". He's a, pre a rim-pressuring guard, a rim-pressuring point guard. LaMelo Ball doesn't rim-pressure enough, and he's 6'7". He is more ball dominant, and he is pass first, while Scoot is score first. I don't see why people don't see that they can fit. It bothers me, and I appreciate Scoot Henderson admitting that it bothers him too. It kind of does, honestly. You know, I love seeing like the two-point guard. I love seeing that in action, like Jordan Poole and and, uh, and and Curry and how they how they used to operate and their their time. And um, like, I love I love seeing the two guard and the two like good guards. It's it's fun to watch. I'd say James Harden and. Chris Paul in Houston, an example of that too, at least a recent example. I didn't realize this until reading Jonathan Gavoni, who is ESPN's lead draft guy, writing up Scoot Henderson. But LaMelo and Scoot go back. They have a relationship. They were on the same Rising Stars team a couple of years ago. Scoot apparently follows the Hornets closely. He was talking about Dennis Smith Jr. and Mark Williams. He enjoyed watching them. And, of course, LaMelo. Every decision that's made with the Hornets from this point should be about, well, what's best for LaMelo? And I don't think Brandon Miller is. I think having another scorer, someone else in the backcourt, another star that's in place, best helps him. Don't talk about fit. Talk about, well, who's the best player? And Scoot Henderson's that. And there are plenty of red flags when it comes to Brandon Miller, we've learned. And that same Jonathan Gavoni ESPN story. Gavoni said that he heard Brandon Miller out of shape at the Combine. Multiple teams telling him that. Multiple teams saying he didn't interview well. And that doesn't even include... The smoke that's there from the Alabama incident from earlier this year. Scoot Anderson, there's no drama there. And it seems he's a better basketball player. What am I missing? He wants to be a Hornet. The Hornets should want him back. Oh, play me some mountain music Like Grandma and Grandpa used to play Then I'll float on down the river WD, let's make that the first two callers. We got a pair of tickets for the Dash tomorrow and on Sunday. The number one pick in last year's draft for my Baltimore Orioles, Jackson Holiday, who's been mashing the ball this week in Winston-Salem. You can go see them. First two to call in at 336-777-1600 as we welcome in a fellow lover of minor league baseball, our friend who has the book, Welcome to the Circus, of baseball talking about his summer with the Asheville Tourists. It's ESPN's Ryan McGee that's dropping by, a book that we helped inspire, by the way, so be sure to support it. You had a story yesterday that was very well received that you've been working on, it seems like, for a while, talking about how at every stage of the North Wilkesboro revival, there was so much doubt that surrounded this, and it's kind of amazing that we're at this point now where... NASCAR All-Star Weekend is here at the old racetrack. Dale Jr. said a couple days ago that he and a lot of people in North Wilkesboro have no clue how they're really going to feel until that green flag comes out. And on Sunday, you see those cup cars back on that track. How do you think you're going to feel? You know, I don't know. I'm going to be there in about an hour. I'm, I'm on my way. I, I spoke. I was at the University of Tennessee graduation this morning. And now I'm headed to Wilkesboro. I'll get there uh, probably right at the end of qualifying. Qualifying starts here in a minute, and it's a pit crew challenge. And 
it's been interesting listening to MRN radio and it's just, everyone is in a great mood, but it's also disbelief because if you are of a certain age and I am, you just gave up a long time ago. And, you know, there were so many, and I, and I appreciate you mentioning the story. There were so many times where it felt like they were so close, but then it always felt so far away. And so I, I really, honestly, when I see cup cars on that track for the first time, I mean, since the last time they were there, you know, 1990, September 1996, it's really, it, it is genuine disbelief. Like Kevin Harvick was on MRN radio a few minutes ago, and he just was like, I can't believe we're doing this. And I think that's just, that's the feeling, you know, when I talk to everyone. And so we're, you know, I'm going to do Marty McGee uh, from there in the morning. I'll be at the racetrack and Marty will be at the PGA championship, by the way, that's as far apart as two places could possibly get. <laughs> but, but, but it's, um, but no, it's, it, I just, I can't wait. And, and it's, um, and I'm excited to get there here in about an hour because I just can't, the last time I was there, I've not been to any of the late model races. And the last time I was there, it was literally crumbling in your hands. Like you just took your hand and, squeeze the wall or grab the, you know, uh, the, you know, a wooden you know, seat and grandstand or whatever. And it just collapsed in your hand. And so the fact that there'll be 30,000 people there watching a race, is just the craziest thing. If you like good junior Johnson stories, you can find that in McGee's story about the revitalization at North Wilkesboro Speedway, or you can find our conversation with Daryl Waltrip from a couple of days ago who joined us on our, if you look at our YouTube channel, just search the drive with Josh Graham. He was talking about, on race weekends that Junior Johnson would, you know, wake up Daryl Waltrip in Junior's home with, you know, country ham that was cooking at four in the morning. And also he had the best moonshine too, but that shouldn't really surprise anybody. But McGee, you have another thing on your resume that you're a Rockingham guy. And being that you're yep. a Rockingham guy and saw similar efforts to revive that track, not net these kinds of results, is this weekend, you think, going to be bittersweet at all for you? How surprising, because of what you saw there, does that make this weekend all the more? Well, it just, I think it adds to the disbelief of it because, I mean, I think, they're, so they ran two truck series races at Rockingham, um, and, the, and maybe the happiest place on earth was the morning of that first Rockingham trucker. I remember standing on pit row with uh, Ward Burton. And his son was in the race, and Ward just slapping me on the shoulder going, this is the greatest thing of all time. But then when we came back the second year, you knew it was doomed. Like, you could feel it when you got there. The garbage cans hadn't been emptied, and, you know, it just the grandstand was it was empty. And it, it just – you knew that was it. And so, you know, you were thankful for the fact that as a Rockingham guy, we got the two weekends that we got. But, you know – and I asked Marcus Smith, you know, the, the guy who saved North Wilkesboro after his father buried it. Yeah, And I asked Marcus Smith, I go, so what about after this? And he goes, you know what? Let's just enjoy this weekend and then we'll worry about what what after this. And so I think that's the right approach. So I say all that as a Rockingham guy to say that I'm just going to really, really enjoy this weekend and uh, and not try to think too much about what might happen next. And, and you know, and also not allow myself to think, well, maybe, you know, uh, Roy Cooper gave Rockingham money too, you know, maybe. They can figure it out, but uh, but for right now, I'll just take what I can get, and, and that's uh, that's an all-star race at North Wilkesboro. What, what, what Waltrip pointed to was how there seems to be um, a real popularity and a real um, amount of energy that's going around short tracks right now that didn't exist even 10 years ago. There just seems to be a lot of interest in short tracks that might work positively for the future. 
for North Wilkesboro. Do you start with Truck Series regularly hosting races at North Wilkesboro as a starting point when you look at the realistic future? Yeah, and that was Marcus Smith's goal. You know, Mark, when Marcus Smith, um, you know, started toying with, you know, reopening and resurrecting Wilkesboro, you know, when he went to Lisa France Kennedy, you know, the daughter of Bill France Jr., granddaughter of, of, of Bill France Sr., and said, I want to maybe host a truck series race, her response was, what about the all-star race? And he, he wasn't ready for that. Like, he didn't, he didn't, he never dreamed that would be the, the response, and that's what it was. So, yeah, I think maybe that's where it goes next. Bring the trucks back, uh, you know, bring Xfinity in there, um, you know, see how that goes. Pick an open weekend. Don't run it on a Cup Series weekend. Pick a week. Pick a weekend when the Cup guys, you know, when 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 Kyle Larson and Chase Elliott and these guys all come run an extended race or a truck race, and yeah, and see if it can sustain that. And and I'll tell the people of of the Piedmont the same thing I told the people down east in Rockingham, which is a ticket is a vote, and there, there are no tickets to be bought this weekend. It's sold out, <laughs> and uh, and so anything they do from here on out. Make sure that's the case because if you if they see empty seats, you've given them an excuse to never come back again. Ryan McGee's with us here on WSJS. A quick football note. We haven't talked to you since the Panthers drafted Bryce Young number one. I know you're not a big fan of the football on Sundays, but you follow have followed Bryce quite a bit on Saturdays. Do you like Bryce enough to watch the Carolina Panthers on Sundays? No, I watch football. I watch the Panthers, but but I just don't. I don't. I don't bathe myself in it like I do college football. But what I do watch, I'm a Panthers fan because I've lived in Charlotte for 25 years. But but what what I do do with the NFL is I watch the guys that I enjoyed the most in college football. And Bryce Young is in my top 10 of all time. Really, that guy is. He's the best. He is the nicest kid ever. Um, he's the sharpest kid ever. Uh, you would let him babysit your kids. And, oh, by the way, he's really, really good. You know, what people don't realize is, you know, he didn't even practice much last season because he was hurt most of the year. And Alabama still, well, you know, they were in a national championship mix. And, and what I watched him do almost single-handedly to Georgia, which was statistically the greatest defense ever in the history of college football in the SEC championship game of 2021, I, I, it's his greatest single performance I've ever seen. So I, I'm all for it. I, I, I will I will watch him, and I will be excited to watch him. And uh, I can tell you I'm excited to have him in Charlotte because I I interacted with him so much through Marty McGee, and I'm a, I'm a tremendous fan. Got to get him into the Wilderness Lodge, make that happen. Uh, Ryan McGee. Yeah, he, well, he was there as a college student. We told him. We said, we can't, we can't pay you as much as we did when you were in the SEC, but we'll, uh, we'll try. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to the Circus of Baseball, the book that you should be supporting, uh, that we helped inspire. What story since the book's release last month has drawn the most feedback or response? Well, the book opens with Captain Dynamite and his exploding coffin of death. Um, and, and that's that's the one, that that and the mascot fight down at Hickory. But I'll tell you this, uh, a little follow-up, if I get to write an addendum column, or, or chapter rather, when, when like a paperback comes out, I'm going to lead with this story, which is, as you know, there's a story in the book that's actually a title of a chapter. Um, and it's like, I, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this name or not, but I'm going to anyway. Uh, hey, would you blow me? Please report to the press box. Oh, that's right. And. Right, and it was so with this Bart Simpson kind of kid tricked our old PA announcer into making that announcement. 
And wasn't yeah, he like a so wasn't he like a well-to-do announcer, like former announcer too? Oh, he was a legend. Yeah, he was a, he was a Sam Zurich. He was a, a, a broadcasting legend. If you heard his voice right now, you would know it because he used to voice television commercials on CBS. But <laughs> I have been reached out to by a group of grown men who were Boy Scouts who were at that game, and they claim that they're the ones that did that. Wow. And I have since, uh, on social media, gone back and forth with them a little bit because I'm thinking, okay, whatever, you know, sure. Um, you think you think Mr. Jablomi is in there? It, it's for real. No, no, the more I talk to them, the more I'm like, oh, they were there. Like, they, they described Sam. Uh, they knew the night. Uh, they remember when the whole thing went down. They told me where they were when we were lo- we were all walking around the grandstand looking for them. So yeah, so uh, they have identified themselves. So yeah, if if I get to write a sequel or an additional chapter down the road, um, now and they're still they're still very proud of it, even though they're all like you know forty some years old. And uh, but but they, you know I'm like this is not really a, a a very Boy Scout thing to do, fellas. But whatever, it's a great story. Last thing for you, we need your input. Three movies WD hasn't seen. The original Fast and Furious, Jurassic Park, and Miracle. Which of the three would you most recommend out of those three WD watch? Um, Miracle's great. Um, you know, Jim Brown passed away today, and we find ourselves at a certain age of trying to explain to, the, to a, another generation how great people were. But Miracle's, Miracle's amazing, and Kurt Russell is phenomenal. As Coach Brooks. So, yeah, I would start there. Then I would do Jurassic Park because Jurassic Park changed everything. Like, that. Like just, just cinema-wise, that was the original CGI, oh, my gosh, that looks real um, movie. And, and honestly, so the original Fast and Furious, it's like watching Star Wars. You watch the original Star Wars now, and young people will go, this is really slow, like, compared to, you know, the current Star Wars. It's crazy you so, say that because WD is the biggest Star Wars super nerd that I know. Oh, he and knows. He ranked, he, knows. The, he ranked the six Star Wars movies. The yeah. And he, he ranked the original Star Wars last time. Oh, of the don't do that. He yeah. did it. He no, did no, that. No, but, 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 I, but, but, but this just, it, it was made in 1977. So, I mean, I get it. But the, but the Fast and Furious movies now, like, all right, so when, fat, when the original Fast and Furious came out, it was just about guys racing cars on the street. Now, they're like, fighting the KGB and their cars flying in the air and they're like <laughs> literally submarines and heat seeking missiles and all that stuff. So the fact, the original fast and furious might be a little too tame for people who are familiar with the franchise as it stands in 2023. Ryan, try to have some fun this weekend as I know you will. And thanks for spending the time. Hey, I'm going to be at a Greensboro. Uh, hey. I'm going to be at a big book fair, a big, big book, uh, literary festival in Greensboro tomorrow selling our book. So, That's tomorrow. Uh, yeah. So so yeah. Okay. I'll be at North Wilkesboro tonight and tomorrow morning to do Marty McGee. Be at the uh, at a big book festival in Greensboro. Well, I I I would love to see Ryan McGee. Hey boys, I'd love to see you. Uh, I'd love to see you tomorrow in Greensboro. What time are you going to be there? Uh, I'm speaking at two o'clock. Okay. And don't ask me any details past that because I'm slept. Fantastic. All right, there goes Ryan McGee. I appreciate the time from him. We got him on a line. I could tell he's getting closer to North Wilkesboro because the the, the the cell reception got spotty right there at the end. So he's getting close to the racetrack, it sounds like. You're on the drive with Josh Graham, WSJS.
Looking forward to the weekend. WD was at the Canes game last night. I'll be at the Canes tomorrow night. Game two of that series. I'll be at the Dash game on Sunday to see Jackson Holiday. Once more, we'll give away two pairs of tickets to go see the Winston-Salem Dash on Sunday later in the show. Or I think we have one pair of tickets for Saturday and another for Sunday. So one tomorrow, one for Sunday. We'll do that later in the show. Can't wait for that. Can't wait to watch the All-Star Race at North Wilkesboro on Sunday night. Ryan McGee, who had a fantastic uh, timeline story about how the racetrack got back up to speed for ESPN, will be joining us in about an hour. Right now, though, we recap the week in the most efficient way possible by keeping it simple. Five words or less. It's simple, man. That's all Josh gets to tell you where your favorite teams are at. It's as marvelous and as simple as that. Let's keep it simple. Okay, before WD throws things at me, we get a dance break in here at 4.30 in the afternoon. We'll see who's in the club at this time. Look at this photograph. Who are you going to be spending an obscene amount of money in here? Conspiracy, Josh. Uh-huh. Hey, boogity, boogity, boogity. Go racing, boys. <laughs> That's what's right. Slippery little suckers. That was a troll. I wasn't ready for both Daryl Waltrip and Richard Gere back to back in those clips. What's the first thing you have for me? Jeremy Roach staying at Duke for senior season. Duke will be number one. You're going to see the comparisons to North Carolina last year. Oh, picking over for a legend at a blue blood on Tobacco Road. High expectations going into year two. Preseason number one, four starters bet. What could go wrong? Duke's a lot different. They were more consistently good this past season than North Carolina was a year ago before they got hot in the tournament. They have more NBA talent on the roster, more guys coming in who could be one and dones recruiting wise, a better handle on NIL. I think it's going to net better results for Duke next year than we saw with North Carolina in this past season. ACC's quote financial crisis. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, meetings going on this week. Florida State was the one to say those things. It is a manufactured lie. And we saw even more proof of that today when just in the last couple of hours, it was reported by David Teal, the great ACC writer from Virginia. The ACC revealed its tax return from 21-2022, and it shows league records for revenue. Average distribution, 39.4 mil. TV money, $443.7 million dollars. Pitt got the most because they won an ACC championship in football in 2021. $40.4 million that they distributed. And yet, at the same time, they're telling you that the more still isn't enough because of how much the Big Ten and the SEC are making. This is the sticking point. You can acknowledge you want more. That's fine. That's capitalistic. We support that. All of us. You could even say it's a disadvantage. It's a problem that they're making a lot more than we are with the SEC and the Big Ten. It's when you say things like WD just said there, crisis, where I take issue. If the ACC is having a crisis as the third best conference in terms of revenue and trending upward, just not to the degree that those two leagues are, 
and they haven't had anybody poach from them, and they're not because of the grant of rights for the next decade, while USC and UCLA were plucked from the Pac-12, and Texas and Oklahoma plucked the year before that from the Big 12. If the ACC is in a crisis, what are those conferences currently dealing with? If you spin the word crisis on the ACC, what are the Big 12 and the Pac-12 currently dealing with? Answer that question for me. It's not a crisis, at least not yet. And it won't be for a long time because even though you don't have as much as those other schools, being at a disparity financially is not a death wish. It's a disadvantage, but we've seen everywhere else in sports. Teams have much more money than others and they still don't win. Ask the Yankees who have it won in 14 years while the Rays, who can't get anyone to go to their games, are the most dominant team in baseball right now in a sport that doesn't have a salary cap. So don't tell me that you can't compete or that you don't have enough while you're spending $1,100 a night on rooms at conference meetings this week in Amelia Island. I just don't want to hear it. Bobby Clintman withdrawing from the NBA draft combine, but not coming back to Wake Forest. It's a mass, a massive blow for Wake. It's hard to overstate how big of a blow it is for Wake. They replaced him with a guy who averaged a point and a half from UCLA last year and less than a rebound, who's a wing technically, 200 pounds, 6'7", I forget the kid's name, Abramo, uh, Kanka, I believe his name was. They, they were not ready for this. All their scholarships were filled. They were expecting Bobby to be back, and he was going to be an all-ACC player. He was going to be a John Collins caliber player. But clearly, somebody saw, saw that in him a year ahead of time and probably promised him he'd be a first-round pick. But we won't know that for sure until draft night, whether or not someone did, in fact, promise him that. And it made sense, just like it made sense for Jake LaRavia to leave and be a top-20 draft pick by the Memphis Grizzlies. The Charlotte Hornets getting the number two pick in the NBA draft lottery. It's a win for Charlotte. It's a win. Yes, you didn't get Victor Webanyama, but you weren't supposed to. Three teams had better odds than you did. One of those three teams got the number one pick. Charlotte, you moved up two spots. Imagine what Detroit and Houston fans are feeling right now. But they have to settle for not getting Victor, Scoot Henderson, or Brandon Miller at the very top. Because Portland jumped up to the number three pick. You're going to get a star at number two, and that star should be Scoot Henderson for reasons we'll talk about in a little bit. And lastly, the legendary Browns running back, Jim Brown, passing away at 87. I want to talk about struggling to overstate things. You can't overstate Jim Brown. If you say he's the greatest running back ever, no one will disagree. If you say he's the greatest football player ever, you can discuss it, but certainly you can make the argument. This stat's always crazy to me. He had eight NFL rushing titles, WD. Second place had four. He is in the Hall of Fame for the NFL, college football, and lacrosse. Jim Brown, one of the greatest athletes ever, passing away we learned in the last hour at 87. One more dance break on Keep It Simple. You take drugs, Danny? Every day. Good. Raise hell, praise Dolly. I have tremendous respect for Commissioner Phillips. All you heard, we ain't in the prisoner taking bit. We in the killing Nazi bit. Cousin businesses are uh, booming. Excuse me, brother. This 74 Street Baptist Church sin is sin. sin. You got a great ass. And you got your head all the way up it. Excellent.
Charlotte FC looking for four in a row tomorrow against Nashville. That's at Bank of America Stadium. If you can't make it out to the bank, you can, of course, listen to Will Pelagic and Jess Charman, quite the duo, right here on WSJS tomorrow night. In about 10 to 15 minutes, we will do horse or rock band with the Preakness being over the weakness, uh, the weekend. Uh, WD, do you know where the Preakness is? I don't have a clue. Baltimore, where I'm from. Hey, Will Pelagic, to get us started real quick, mm. all you got to do is identify if it's a horse or a band. This is an example of one that WD might get. Silver chair, horse or band? Silver chair. That's a band. That is correct. So. Silver charm was a contender for the Triple Crown, I believe in the late 90s, 97, I want to say. Mm. Silver Chair, though, a band that was popular late 80s, early 90s, if memory serves. So we'll see how WD does with that a little bit later on. Getting to Charlotte FC, how do you best explain what's led to this three-game winning streak? Was it as simple as getting Josh Graham and WD to a game? I think it's definitely a contributing factor, I would say. But I also feel like this team is continuing to gel and you're seeing the influence uh, of not only veteran presence, but also uh, the youth movement as well. I think you've seen a couple of players step up who I don't think people would have thought before the season would contribute. I know definitely you didn't think Justin Merrim would because he was on another team, and he actually didn't even feature for Real Salt Lake in the game they played head-to-head against Charlotte FC. I knew that he was on the team, prepared a note for him, and uh, at least looked like possibly we could see him, but he didn't even feature in that contest. And as a result, uh, you see him come over to Charlotte FC. He's had an immediate impact. He had the nutmeg assist to Brandon Cambridge on the first goal uh, last weekend, had the two goals last week as well against uh, his old team, Atlanta. And also you have Brandon Cambridge come forth, somebody who – I remember we signed him at the end of the uh, preseason and had coaches tell me, hey, watch out for this kid. We see him for Crown Legacy become the MLS Next Pro Player of the Week in just his second ever professional match. And he comes up to the first team and makes no mistake on two golden chances. I find it very interesting to see that there's different guys contributing, especially with all the injuries we've had up front. But it's been amazing to see. And I think the magic is back as well at Bank of America Stadium. Listen again to Will Pelagic on the call with Jess Charming. Get into basketball really quickly. Uh, Where do you stand on Scoot Henderson versus Brandon Miller for the Hornets at number two? If we're talking about just the players, I'd rather have Brandon Miller. But for some odd reason, and again, this is just me talking. I don't think this is the players talking. I don't think this is the coach talking. I don't think this is the front office talking. But I, I still have problems morally with what... Brandon Miller was accused of doing, although he's not necessarily accused of a crime, but the actions that led to his involvement in the case that unfortunately took the life of uh, of that person in Alabama. Uh, unfortunately for me, that's just a moral thing that I can't personally get past. I also feel like Scooter Henderson is somebody who could be very good for LaMelo Ball in terms of the backcourt. I know it doesn't solve your frontcourt issue or your wing issue, but I do feel like 
that could be a pretty, pretty dynamic duo because you already have a pretty big guard in LaMelo. They're already dealing in a situation where they have a pretty big guard along with a pretty small one in Terry Rozier. I think Scoot Henderson might be a little bit of a better action than Rozier could be. And I'm wondering if those two couldn't connect for some pretty dynamic point totals here for the Hornets. Speaking of basketball, you're a Mizzou grad. Caleb Love See. is now, you know, he's available again. He's from St. Louis. Mm-hmm. How excited would you be if Caleb Love transferred to your alma mater? Uh, could, could we get a cryogenically frozen Caleb Love and get the Caleb Love from two seasons ago and not the one that was there last season? Because that's the only thing. I, I think I look at Caleb Love and I think he was a much maligned player for North Carolina. And, you know, the fan base, you've chronicled that, I'm sure, hmm. over the course of the last year. I think he probably was probably too much was put onto his plate this year, and he probably tried to take too much of it onto his own plate. So I think from the standpoint of of maybe a reset, we always talk about you know a, a new pasture bringing forth good fortune to other people. I wouldn't mind seeing him in a Mizzou uniform at all. I've got three more movies that WD has never seen that we're trying to mm. figure out which one to make him watch. What was the last? The I never week. got the verdict on the last one that would that uh, you had. In front yeah, of I forgot. It involved Karate Kid, and I forget some of the other ones that were involved in that mix. But every week was we, Bull, I think Bull Durham was one of them. He did point. watch Bull early Durham. on. We did that one. Yeah. So here's what we got: we got Jurassic Park. He Ooh. hasn't seen. That's 30 years old this year. Yeah. Miracle. He didn't know what that was. So Man, I know. all I asked was that is that a hockey? You were movie? at the hockey game last night. How have you not seen Miracle? Crazy. A lot of sports movie guys. And then the the original Fast and Furious. See, I'm not a big Fast and Furious guy, so I'll knock that one out right okay. away. You and I both. Um, Miracle made me, as somebody who was not alive in 1980, made me emotional and maybe even brought a little bit to tears during yeah. the movie. Yeah. So I, I would vote Miracle, but I also feel like Jurassic Park is one that that's that's I don't think you can be alive and not having not having seen any of that movie or the lexicon of those movies because those movies are always great. What's the latest you've ever been out at a ballpark or at a sporting event? WD was at the Canes Arena after two o'clock in the morning because of this game last night. What's the latest you think you've been at a stadium or an event, and I'm not counting you're there just working after the fact, like the game's still happening. Uh, I did in when I was working for Mizzou, I was doing Mizzou softball in the Women's College World Series. We did a 13-inning game that was very close to coming. We, we were, I think, maybe an inning or two away from the curfew for the evening. I believe the local time was was 1.30 in the morning. <laughs> Yeah, it's not fun. Sounds right. And I, I also had to. This was very, very bad. I had a very bad situation in the, in the ninth inning of that game because the previous game had gone uh, had gone late, so we had gone on the air also late. Yeah. So I had basically been having to like sit, stay on the air for a longer time than I was excused to. I had needed a bathroom break in like the ninth inning of extra innings, and let's just say uh, I had to run from where our position in the booth was. There was not a convenient bathroom, so I had to run back and forth to get back within 120 seconds. Very impressive. Uh, I think for me, when NC State advanced past Rice to a College World Series, I think in 2012, it was the same year that Carolina and State both went. I was there, and there were rain delays and such right after they tied it to go to extra innings. It went 16, I believe, and it was 
about one in the morning or around that. The game was supposed to start at three o'clock and there were some rain delays. So that was a quite a long day. There were a couple of those minor league games that I did when I was in Kinston and Savannah where we had some some later nights only because we were waiting for, you know, the bus to get going. And, and that's that's late for a whole nother reason. But, but yeah. th- th- those those will go in the Willie P book at some point. Old Granger Stadium. Will Pelagic, it's good to see you. Have a great call tomorrow night. We'll talk next week. I got to make it back there to see Mother Earth Brewing. Definitely, I haven't been back since they opened up the brewery, so I'm, that's that's one that's that's on the uh, on the bucket list for me to get back there. Yeah, there's no doubt. There goes Willie P and uh, Mother Earth. That is the spot if you're heading out east and you're hitting up Kinston. That and King's Barbecue out in Kinston, America. They got the Down East Wood Ducks there that used to be the Kinston Indians. Because the Preakness is tomorrow, as I mentioned, we will bring back. Horse or rock band. Next on The Drive. Your attention, please. This is The Drive with Josh Graham. It's time for us to play Horse or Rock Band before going out to the PGA Championship for another check-in. Let's dive right in. The Preakness stakes were our tomorrow. When we did the Kentucky Derby a couple weeks ago, you went seven for seven. Yeah, it did. But no wonder you want to do I this took again. a stab at it trying to find bands that were popular before you were born. And your recall was good enough yeah. to identify what was a horse and what wasn't. So now I found more obscure bands. So you're not going to know who the bands are probably. And unless you already look to the horses in the field were tomorrow, which you say you haven't, then this could be a real challenge. It's best of seven style. Let's get it started. First name. Chase the Chaos. Horse or band? That is a band. Chase the Chaos is a horse. Longest odds to win the Preakness Stakes tomorrow at 50 to 1. Next name. Atomic Kitten. That's a band. Atomic Kitten is a band. All right. You're back on track. Third name. Atomic Rooster. Horse or band? That's a band. Atomic Rooster's a band. Testing you. I know what you were going to do there. Testing you a little bit. I know what you were going to do there. Just to see how you might fare in that circumstance. Coffee with Chris. Horse or band. Oh, that's a horse. That's a horse. 20 to 1 odds. Coffee with Chris is a horse. I'd bet on that one just because of the name. So you need to get one more of these right in order to win Horse or Rock Band. Next name. First Mission. See, this one would have me split because... Yeah, I could see either one. Could be... Uh, what type of 
rock could it be? It could be like Christian rock talking about mission, or it could be like one of those, a mission to like win the roses and to win the Preakness Stakes tomorrow. Hmm. Plot twist. It's neither. Just kidding. Uh, wow. It's a horse. It's a horse. First mission just learned in the last hour, scratched from the field. <laughs> Is a horse though, but a win for me. Wow, look at that, man! I annihilate this. After getting the first one wrong, you got four right. Come back with a vengeance. We'll close out with two more though. Yep. Regular John. That's a band. Regular John is a band. Jeez. This one was the one that stumped the office the most today, though. This last one here. Powder finger. <laughs> Powder finger. Uh. Is that a horse competing in the Preakness Stakes tomorrow? Or is that, in fact, an actual band? See, I'm split on this one, too, but I'm going to just... Powder finger. Powder finger. That's a horse. You sounded unsure. Final I, answer? I am unsure, but... Horse. Powder Finger is a band. I know better. I know better. Always Australian, go with your gut. Big in the 90s and 2000s, apparently. Always go with your gut. Powder Finger. But still, you got five of the seven, right? You should play this with Darren. We have. Oh, yeah. It's an annual tradition. Maybe when we get to the Belmont Stakes... Next, we could try to work Darren into this. 